Good morning, friends. Uh, believe it or not, uh, today's message is being recorded in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm going to title today's message, It's a Crazy World Out There, Friends. And my text is something I've been reading about recently from Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 17. You might want to get a Bible out and take time to read that. But as we look at Second Thessalonians 2, we're going to talk about how to keep your head about you, even when all about you seem to be losing theirs as Kipling talked about in his famous poem. We're going to talk about how to practice discernment when you hear wild ideas coming from all places, even from Christian media. Now, <clears throat> William Barclay, uh, one of the commentators I looked at, referred to this chapter as one of the most difficult passages in the whole New Testament because Paul uses terms and <clears throat> references, ideas that would have been common knowledge in the first century but are somewhat foreign to us. In this chapter, Paul talks about um, some of, of the sequence of events that will occur leading up to the second coming. And I'm going to tell you right now that the emphasis of today's message will not be on that sequence of events because there is an overriding principle in Paul's words that I want to focus on. In the first century, Christians believed that the return of Jesus was imminent, that it would happen in their lifetime and could be any day now. And because of this, there was a great deal of misinformation going on around. Some opportunistic and unscrupulous teachers were exploiting God's or people's fears and confusion by claiming that the day of the Lord had already come. There appears to have been a letter making the rounds claiming to be from Paul saying as much, and Paul wanted to set the record straight. So in Second Thessalonians, he talks about the sequence of events that must take place leading up to the second coming, and he urges the Thessalonians to use their heads when it comes to discerning the end times. He also tells them not to use the second coming as an excuse to lead an unproductive life. See, our generation has been called the information age, but it could be just as easily be called the misinformation age. There's a lot of nonsense floating around out there. And if your head isn't screwed on straight, you're going to find yourself believing a lot of stuff that, well, later is going to be proved to be quite silly. So today I want to talk about uh, three do's and don'ts for keeping your head about you in the midst of hysteria. First of all, don't be gullible. I mean, do check everything before you believe anything. Now, when some of the believers heard that Jesus had already come back and presumably was living somewhere in the Middle East, they bought into it. They wanted to know where he was. Was he living under a disguise? Should they quit their jobs, sell their homes, and go looking for him? And Paul said to them, in effect, hey, not so fast. Think first. I mean, listen to these words uh, in verses 1, 2, and 3. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, um, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. Now, Paul is just saying, you know, don't be gullible. Don't get locked into all of this fake news and fake stuff. I mean, don't believe everything you hear. Before you believe it, check it out with what you know to be true. You see, Paul had already taught them about the second coming and all about the events that must occur beforehand. Now he's just saying, weigh what you're hearing against what you already know. I could spend the rest of my time today giving examples of gullible people believing everything they hear and spreading it to everyone who will listen to them. I mean, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff, it just perpetuates some of that stuff. 
You know, but I remember back, oh, almost 20 years ago, there was a report going around that the president of Procter & Gamble had gone on a talk show to announce his company's allegiance to Satan, and that company had donated a large portion of it to Satan's cause. And they had other proof that was found in Procter & Gamble's Man in the Moon logo, which they claimed had hidden symbols referencing to the mark of the beast. And you could even find an inverted 666 in his beard. Now, back then, I knew people who wouldn't buy Procter & Gamble. And as big as Procter & Gamble is, it's kind of hard to boycott their entire product line. Of course, the main problem with this rumor is that all of it was made up. It was 100% fiction. It was fake news. But people still bought into it hook, line, and sinker. And maybe some of you even heard um, of a lady by the name of Madeline <clears throat> Albright. She declared decreed that all Bible-believing churches are cults. And I've even heard some online preachers talk about this from time to time. The problem is she never said it. And maybe even some of you remember, I guess, again, about 20 years ago, the big Y2K crisis we were supposed to experience. It didn't happen, but a lot of books, including books from Christian publishers, were sold warning people all about the terrible things that will happen. Now, even today, all you have to do is open up your inbox, look at your news feed on Facebook to see a great deal of misinformation. It amazes me how people who otherwise seem eh, relatively sane will believe the craziest alarmist claims and pass it on to all of their friends. Now, what this does is create an environment of fear and sometimes even panic. I mean, panic and fear are not conducive to living a life of faith. Listen to what Paul said to his young friend Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. One of the Bible translation translates this as sound mind, sound mind is sound judgment. And this is what Paul is saying. Don't believe everything you hear. When you hear something that's just too good to be true or too bad to be true, uh, check it out. Do some research. Weigh what you hear against what you know to be true. Weigh every claim against the word of God. So if you want to keep your head on straight, don't be gullible. Check everything before you believe anything. Here's the second do and don't I want you to see, and that's don't forget how the story ends. I mean, do remember who is ultimately in control. After Paul warns them about the difficult days ahead, he said in verse 8, and then the lawlessness will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Now, what's he doing? He's just reminding them how the story ends. Now, there are many believers in this world and sadly pastors among them who love to talk about how bad the world is and how much worse it's going to become. And you kind of hear them talking, oh, ain't it awful? Things aren't what they used to be. People used to look out for one another, but not anymore. People used to be kind to one another, not anymore. Used to be that a man could earn a good wage, but not anymore. Uh, used to be that kids respected their elders, but not anymore. Used to be that everyone went to church on Sunday, but not anymore. And it kind of goes on and on and on. I mean, these people have kind of an idealized view of the past, a past and a pessimistic view of the present and, well, let's be honest, a fatalistic view of the future. It's hard to believe that they believe in an all-powerful God who is actively at work to redeem the world. And that's the very thing we need to remember. We need to keep this idea foremost in our mind at all times. God is in control. I mean, don't forget how this story will ultimately end. In this life, there's going to be trouble. That's true. You're going to face hard times. You can be sure of that. You're going to be treated unfairly. No question about it. You may even be persecuted for your faith. But that's not where your story will end. 
Jesus said in John 16:33, in this world you're going to have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. And the apostle John said in 1 John 5, 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So it's, it's, a, it's hard to preach a gloom and doom gospel and still be faithful to the scriptures because the Bible makes it clear that our suffering is temporary and our joy will be eternal. The Bible says that in the last days, evil will reign for a season, but only a season, and then the kingdom of Satan will be destroyed so God's eternal judgment can stand forever. And that's kind of how the story ends. And don't forget it. So when you're struggling through life, don't forget how the story ends. When you fail and you fall and you wonder if you'll ever get victory over sin, don't forget how it ends. Listen to what Paul says again in this scripture reading for today in verse 14. He said, he called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, friends, that's how the story ends. When people take advantage of you and manipulate you and use you and exploit you, don't forget how the story ends. Remember that Jesus will overthrow the lawless with the breath of his mouth and destroy the works of evil by the splendor of his coming. That's how the story ends. So no matter how things look today, no matter how far behind in the count you may be, no matter what the scoreboard says at this point in time, don't forget how the story ends. God is in control. Now, you, you might be sitting there thinking, you know, if God is in control, why is my life so difficult? Well, I can only say that your life is difficult because life is difficult. It's that way for everyone. The difference, however, is that those who are connected to God through faith in Jesus are moving toward a victorious outcome. So here's what I'm saying. If you want to develop uh, what I'd call a bulletproof faith, if you want to be able to keep your head on straight, keep in mind that this situation you face today or any difficult situation you may face in the days to come isn't all there is to the meaning of this life. This isn't the end of the story. Persecution, hardship, disappointment, setbacks are not the end. I mean, don't forget how the story ends. Your story won't end on a low note. It will end on a high note because God is in control. And the third uh, do and don't that will help you keep your head on, well, everybody else seems to be losing theirs, is this. Don't let go of your lifeline. The do is hold on tight to the empowering truth. Occasionally, you know, the police will find a murder victim, one that's been shot to death with a unique injury, a bullet hole in the hand. You know, when you see someone pointing a gun at you, preparing to pull the trigger, your automatic response is to put up your hand to try to stop it. And, of course, you can't. I mean, no hand really can stop a bullet. Now, I've seen people try to do basically the same thing in the Christian life. They try to withstand the enemy's attacks in their own strength with their own hands. It never works. That's why Paul spends the last part of Second Thessalonians 2 encouraging believers to stay connected to their lifeline. And he's just saying, don't try to do it on your own. This is what he says in verse 15. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. I like the way the New Living, Translate, New Living Translation renders this phrase. <clears throat> it says, keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you. Also, the word teaching can be translated traditions, and that's the way many versions have it. He's not just talking about doctrinal truths. He's talking about the daily disciplines, the traditions of living the Christian life. So let me tell you, the best way to keep your head about you in the midst of craziness, stay as close as you can to the Word of God. Keep it in front and center in your life. Now, over the years, I've encouraged you, hopefully more times than I can count, to develop the habit of a daily time with God 
which is you and him with his word. You don't have to read the Bible from front to back every day or even an entire book every day. I mean, just read a few verses. Let him talk to you. Let him reveal his truth to you. Let him show you how to think and act and how to live. Now, Paul goes on to say in verses 16 and 17, uh, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. You see, friends, our lifeline is Jesus. He's the source of our strength, the source of our encouragement. And the more time we spend in his presence, the more we seek to encounter him in his word, the stronger our faith becomes. We need to learn to seek the empowering truth, these truths from God's word that give us strength. And there are many things that you can say are true, but they're not empowering truths. I mean, life is difficult. That's the truth. But it's not all the truth, and it's not the empowering truth. The empowering truth is that life is difficult, and this is the victory that overcomes life's problems, our faith. Certainly all of us are going to face trials and tribulations. That's the truth, but it's not all the truth, and it's not the empowering truth. The empowering truth is that in the midst of the trials and tribulations, God is with you, and he'll give you comfort and strength. I mean, there will be dark days ahead, somewhere along the line, for each and every one of us. That's the truth. But it's not all the truth, and it's not the empowering truth. The empowering truth is that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And for followers of Jesus, that morning is going to last for all of eternity. So if you want to develop a bulletproof faith that enables you to keep your head on straight in the middle of life's greatest challenges, then don't let go to the lifeline. Hold on tight to the empowering truth. You see, friends, there will always be those who seek to market fear. There will will always be those who seek to exploit confusion. There will always be those who try to direct your attention away from what God is really doing in your life and in this world, tempting you to play the game of speculation about what may take place tomorrow. Don't take the bait. Don't give in to fear. Don't believe everything you hear. Weigh what others say against what you know to be true. Weigh what you hear against the word of God. Don't forget how the story ends because God is in control. Most of all, this is what I want to leave you with today. If you want to keep your head on straight when everyone all, everyone all around you is losing theirs, hold on tight to the empowering truth. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.